Jess Connolly, and you are listening to the Go and Tell Gals podcast. We exist to equip and encourage kingdom women who are using their God-given gifts for the good of others and the glory of God. If you are a mom, a student, an artist, a doctor, we are hoping that this episode will leave you encouraged and ready to run. We're so glad you're here. Let's go. What are you scared of? What fear is holding you back from your calling? It's Jess and Em here today. How are you doing, Em? Pretty good. Okay, I'm going to ask Emily to repeat what she just said to me off camera, which is, I asked her, what are you scared of? What are some things you're scared of? Maybe a big thing, maybe a small thing. And you said, yeah. In terms of like funny, I'm not really scared of it really anything you know people are like oh do you lock your door like are you scared of getting kidnapped are you scared of these things I'm like I'm not scared of any of that I yeah I would say that I don't have like a lot of like day-to-day fears like when I'm swimming in the ocean I don't think about a shark biting me like my leg off or I just I don't know cannot relate (laughs) (laughs) oh I know I know that's that's the difference between me and Jess (laughs) okay so Because you said, I'm not really scared of anything. I want to tell you this funny story that maybe I've told you before. I don't think I've ever shared it on the podcast. So I was in college and my junior year of college was also kind of like my last year of college. I was about to get married. And so I went on this epic spring break trip with my friends. We were pretty nerdy Christians. So don't (laughs) picture drinking. Instead, one day we did a silent retreat where we didn't talk and we all read our Bibles. If you're kind of trying to picture what my spring break was like, it was like that. It was a lot of laying out and talking about God. But one night I had one of my close friends and college roommates, Stephanie, who I loved to death, was like pretty afraid of elevators. And I had known this for years because we had lived in dorms together and she would always have to take the stairs. And so I think at one point she lived on like the eighth floor. So she would take the stairs every day. She did not do the elevator. I knew this about her. I'd known her for years and we were staying at a little beach condo where I want to say we were on the second or the third floor. So that night we're walking back to the hotel room and and we kind of would like instinctively always plan who is going to walk up the stairs with Stephanie and who is going to ride the elevator. And we've been doing it for years. And so we're walking back and everybody's kind of like, talking about what they're scared of because Steph is scared of elevators. And I was like, I cannot think of anything that I'm scared of. Like, I am not scared of anything. And I'm like kind of going down the list. And I don't know, again, I want to reiterate that this was not a drinking spring break because I was not drunk, but I had a moment where I just forgot that I'm actually scared of everything. <laughs> and so we're going up the elevator. I didn't, I was not picked to be on the stairs crew. We're going up the elevator and I'm saying like, I don't know, man, I'm not scared of anything. I can't really think of anything I'm scared of. And as the elevator doors open, Stephanie and our other friend Meredith were waiting just outside the elevator doors. And they literally, Stephanie went like, boo, just the <laughs> lightest little like, boo. And what happened is that I absolutely lost my mind. I started hysterically screaming and like running just as fast as I could away from the elevator because I was so scared. And our friends still laugh about it to this day because it's like the irony of saying like, I'm not scared of anything. And then becoming hysterical when your friend says, boo, that's my life. But I'm scared of everything. Yeah. I will say I used to be very scared of elevators. Yeah? Yes. I. But I wouldn't say like... I'm like, okay, I th- maybe I like am more of just like strategic of like, if I were to get stuck on this elevator, what would I do? 
And thankfully, normally, that's like what a lot of people are scared of. And they write that into a lot of TV shows. So (laughs) I think maybe I would know how to get out of them. They know. do write that into a it's lot like, of TV shows. I think they capture that as like maybe that's like a very common fear, and so you wow write it in there. TV writers are smart. Yeah, I'm I thinking know. Grace and Frankie, Grey's Anatomy, The Mindy Project. The Mindy Project. Just I was just watching that one. Wait, really? I yeah. was too. <laughs> We're this stuck in the elevator, and I was like, oh, interesting. <laughs> I used to be so scared of that. That is so funny, mm-hmm. and it's like really not a common occurrence. No, but it's and, a common yeah. fear. Yeah. And maybe it's like I was just watching this movie with my dad about like they're like robbing this bank and they stop the elevator. So I'm like, maybe if you got stuck on the elevator, it's because there's like a robbery happening outside of it and you're safe because you're stuck in the elevator. This is so. really, really, <laughs> really interesting. Well, I'm not scared of elevators. I'm not scared of heights. Okay. It's yeah. easier to list things I'm not scared of. Yeah. <laughs> I have conquered a couple of fears. Okay. I will say this about fear. I have friends who I identify as an Enneagram 8, but I have friends who could swear that I'm a 6 because I'm so scared of things. Yeah. But there's a kind of 6. I'm going to probably say it wrong, but it's, I think it's called like hyperphobic or hypertrophic. <laughs> and it's the kind of Enneagram 6 that always runs toward their fears, which I would say is what I do. Oh, like hyper. Yeah. Like I I use a lot of exposure therapy for my fears. Hyperphobic, maybe. I think it is hyperphobic. I don't think it's tropic. I I don't think it is either. It's like a storyline ick something, but yeah. (laughs) Okay, so you run towards your fear. Okay, we researched it very quickly. We paused. It's counterphobic. So a counterphobic Enneagram 6 runs towards their fears. That's what I do. I do a lot of exposure therapy to my fear. So for example, a few years ago, I developed a like late in life fear of flying. I didn't stop flying. And it was through flying that I conquered the fear. You know, another one for me that I'm conquering that you know about is I up until about two years ago, I had an intensely, intensely paralyzing fear of being in a hotel room alone. Mm. And I am now doing that. I can now do a hotel room alone. I'm doing it next week. That's big. Yeah. Two nights. I feel like, what is it where they're like, oh, actually, we are just teaching our niece and our sister to ski. And so my sister is watching all of these videos of like how to teach our niece to ski. And they're like, really crucial things is like time, terrain, and have fun. And I think that's also how you like conquer your fear is like, yeah. if you're going to, you have to ease your way in. And the second it stops being fun, you have to jump out. Yeah. Because if you have a bad experience, yeah. if you have a negative experience, what they kept saying, like you're going to repeat that negative experience every time you do that activity, even if it's supposed to be fun. I'm huge into that. If I have a bad experience, then you have to like treat yourself. Yes, you do. You do. You have to rewrite it. Yeah. Yeah. You have to rewire the pathways in your brain, literally. Mm-hmm. But I want to say this about fears. I Those are some funny ones. They're not funny. Like, for some people, that's really serious. The elevators and hotel rooms sounds funny, but it's serious for me. That is serious. The few times I've, like, had to do it, I've been forced to do it because of work. I've not slept. I've had, like, insomnia, and it's been horrible. But I will say, as far as big fears are concerned, I am a big fear girl. Like, I also have really big fears. Let me name a few that I have processed with God today. Am I a good mom? Have I screwed this all up? Have I just messed this whole thing up? That is a real fear that I like process with God. I would say I have huge fears about being a leader. Like 
am I right for this? Did I make a huge mistake? Am I going to make a huge mistake? Is it going to be me that takes a ton of people out because I mess up? Those are big fears I have. Like, Mm -hmm. are we going to waste our life? You know, are we Mm -hmm. doing it all wrong? Are we in the wrong spot? Are our hearts unright? Like, are we not pure? I told you, I told our team a funny story this weekend about it's not really funny, but it's a little funny about a really negative, unkind comment I got from somebody on social media. And the funny story was that God arranged it so that I could really quickly see that this person was like not not someone I should listen to about my life. But the comment said something about like, I thought you loved women, but you only care about money. And I want you to know that I'm the kind of person that I spent a solid 30 minutes being like, do I only care about money? do I not love women well? (laughs) Like that's my life. And I just want to like set the tone of saying like, if you're a person who struggles with little or really large fears, you're welcome here. Let's do some work. Mm -hmm. Also, very last thing before we get into our quick coaching session is that I don't think experiencing fear is a sin. Mm -hmm. I actually don't think we can help it. I think obeying fear, agreeing with fear, living in fear, all of those are things that we can choose, but actually feeling fear, not a sin, an experience. Let's cut to a quick coaching session. Hey, 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 gals. Listen, I hope you are loving or at least liking these quick coaching moments that we are doing in our podcast. Holler at me, Jess A. Connolly on Instagram. Send me a DM or DM go and tell gals. I would just love to hear if there are other areas that you would love a quick coaching session in the middle of these podcasts. So today's quick coaching session is on a brain dump, and I want to look at a logistical brain dump and a spiritual brain dump. You may have heard the phrase brain dump. Here's basically what it means opening a piece of paper or some kind of electronic device and creating a list of all the things that are crowding your brain. So whether you're feeling a lot of fear or whether you're feeling overloaded or whether you're feeling behind or whether you're feeling confused, I want to encourage you to utilize brain dumps. Open a piece of paper again or just the notes app on your phone and write it all down. What are the things that are frustrating you, confusing you, feeling like I have to get these things done? And here's why it helps because a lot of times things feel a lot bigger in our brain before we write them down or before we organize them. And it's one way that we can actually begin to struggle with extreme mental exhaustion when we don't just take a minute and say like, hold on, let me list these things out and figure out what I can do about them. But on the spiritual side, I want to give you this encouragement. I've started making spiritual brain dumps, and here's what I mean. I actually did one just this morning. I was spending time with God. I had read my daily prayer. I was getting ready to get into my Bible reading, and I realized I had what felt like a million things kind of crowding my heart that I felt heavy about. So rather than taking, you know, a whole hour and slowly journaling, like handwriting prayer by prayer by prayer, I just made a list and putting the things on the page and kind of slowly handing each one figuratively to God as I wrote it helped me so much. I just thought about every person I was worried about. I thought about everything that someone had asked me to pray about. I thought about the things that I hadn't even really thought out loud that were really weighing me down. And making this list with God before God helped me, number one, to submit them to Him and to trust Him in a new way, but also to kind of clear my head and my heart out so I could move forward into my day in a more free and clear kind of way. I 
want to hear. If you are a brain dump kind of girl, if this helps you, or if you've ever tried a spiritual brain dump, let me know. Send us a DM or tell us in our Go and Tell Gals Facebook community. All right, let's hop back and talk about fear. All right, we're back and we are ready to talk about fear. Listen, I've got really kind of like four main points for you today. As you are processing any fear you might feel about your calling or stepping into your God-given gifts. Number one is this. This is my personal take. I believe that fear means to some degree, experiencing fear means that you're doing it right. And here's why I say that. We often talk about this in our office because to me, I'll use the fear of flying as an example. So when I was struggling with this kind of late adult onset fear of flying. I flew a ton as a kid. I flew overseas as a kid. My dad lives overseas. And so even to like go see my dad, I'd have to fly overseas without an adult. So I had a ton of exposure to it, but all of a sudden late in life, I started having this really intense fear of flying. And I started talking to a therapist about it. I couldn't get out of flying because it's a part of my work is traveling to teach the Bible and coach women. And so I couldn't, I couldn't just shut down this part of my life. I had to really conquer it. And one of the tools that helped me fight the fear of flying is that my therapist said, hey, let's trace back like what's the love behind that fear. There is some love behind every piece of fear. And you may have heard the thing about how like we can only experience love or fear. All emotions are rooted in one of those two things. But I have now also found that a lot of times behind fear, there's love. And so she would say like, what are you scared of when you're scared of flying? And I would say like, well, I'm, you know, I'm scared of dying. <laughs> like I'm scared of crashing. <laughs> Isn't that normal? I thought that was what everybody felt. <laughs> she was like, no, but like, what's scary about that? Like, you know, you believe in heaven, so you'll, you know, you'll go to an afterlife. So like, what's scary about you dying in a plane crash? And I was like, oh, well, just trauma for my kids. That's it. I just don't want my kids to be in pain. I just don't want my kids to hurt. I don't want my husband to be sad. I also don't super want him to get married again. Just kidding. I do whatever you want. Negative anything happens to me. But I just, I was like, you know, behind that is like, I just, I like want to protect the people I love. And she said, okay, great. So that's a beautiful thing. That's actually beautiful. There's a beautiful piece of love behind that fear. So now really to rewrite some of this fear in your body, to retrain your body, to process this, when you are in the plane and you start feeling terrified and you start feeling scared, instead of focusing on the fear, instead of trying to pretend like you're not scared, I want you to dive all the way in. I want you to focus on the love. I want you to pray for your kids. I want you to write them a letter. I want you to plan some special date for them. I want you to tap all the way into the feeling of love that's behind that fear. And for me, it helped me understand that for so many of us, a lot of our fears are rooted actually in good, beautiful desires. So for a lot of you guys, your fears about your callings, things that I hear from you, you're scared to get it wrong. You're scared to be prideful. You're scared to waste time. You're scared to hurt people. You're scared that people around you won't accept your calling. And all of those, all of those are number one, not only understandable, but they're also rooted in a desire to honor God and to love God and to love people. And so the first thing I really want to say is that experiencing fear does not mean you're doing it wrong. Experiencing fear doesn't mean that you stepped into something you shouldn't step into. Experiencing fear doesn't mean you're in the wrong spot or that you're weak. It means that you're human. 
and that you love people and you love God and you want to handle this well. And so if you can take a deep breath right here at the beginning to know the experience of fear, the presence of fear doesn't necessarily mean that you're completely off track. I think it might free a lot of us up. Any thoughts there, Emily? Yeah, I think exactly what you're saying is it's so freeing to think that way because if we, I think you could get into a really bad cycle of if you are scared of where you're going and then you're like, oh, well now I'm scared or now I have fear centered around this. So then you could have all these other, like they could be even a little bit more surface level fears of like, I'm not good enough. I'm like, I can knew I could never do it. And then you automatically have that like negative thought cycle that, you know, and so it's okay to have that fear, but to live into it and let that like become your identity and also cripple you is the problem. Mm-hmm. But it is freeing to be like, you're not, you're not wrong for yeah. these thoughts. Yeah. So you're not in the wrong spot be- just because you feel fear. But what in the world do you do about it? Because, right, the Bible does tell us to be strong and courageous. It does have a lot of verses mm-hmm. about not struggling with fear, not listening to fear, not obeying fear. So let's talk about the four different potential responses to fear. I'm going to give you four different responses, and we're going to really hone in on two. So I think the four different responses we can feel, actually, I'm going to go with five. <laughs> I'm going to say <laughs> there's five different responses that we could have to fear. The first is that we could totally just try to ignore fear. We could try to pretend that it's not happening. The reason why we're not even going to focus on this today is because this is a bad option. (laughs) It doesn't work. Fear and anxiety is a physical, spiritual experience. To try to ignore its existence or its impact on your life will actually hurt your mind, your body, your soul, in your relationships. So I cannot encourage you enough to not pretend as if you don't have fear. So number one, your first option is you could try to ignore fear. Unfortunately, this is where a lot of like spiritual bypassing and just kind of like bad spiritual advice comes in about fear. But I want to tell you, it's not spiritual to ignore your fear. It's not spiritual to pretend like it's not there. Number two, Your second option is that you can just totally listen to fear all the time and obey it. You can feel a fear and perceive that every single fear is wisdom and obey it and live the safest, most anesthetized life you can where you never experience any pain or you're never exposed to any adventure. And I would also say for most of us, that's just not going to be the right option because we want to live in abundance. And we know that loving people and serving people and using our God-given gifts and being in community and experiencing God and experiencing the world around us is going to expose us to some level of risk. And so the first option is ignore it. And the second option is obey it. I want to ignore both of those two. The third option that I would also like to ignore is a prideful response to fear. And unfortunately, I think also this one has some spiritual connotations too. If if we're not careful, we could assume that a very spiritual um, and spirit-filled response to fear could almost look prideful. And that's like almost trying to just seem as if we're above it or even just pretending. You can imagine like even just using a scenario of like going into like a women's ministry event. I think a lot of women, when they go into an event with a lot of other women, they actually feel a lot of fear. Am I okay? Are people going to like me? Am I going to say the right thing? Um, How is this going to go? But instead, a lot of times, there's this temptation for us to respond in pride instead and be like, 
and puff ourselves up, seem like we have it all together. This never wins. (laughs) It makes us feel disconnected from other people. It makes us feel disconnected from God. It's like a form of rejecting other people before we're rejected. And that's just an example like in community, but this happens all the time in our calling as well. So the first three options are ignore it, obey it, and respond in a prideful way towards it. I don't want us to do any of those. The last two options are a little bit tricky. Here's what they are. It's listen to fear or hear fear. And actually, I want to flip-flop them. I want to say like the fourth option would be hear your fear. And the fifth option would be listen to your fear. And what I'm about to say is just the way I express it. And so if this doesn't make sense to you, it's okay. You can just kind of go with it. But Em, have you heard the difference between, if you heard people talk about like the difference between listening and hearing? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So if you're in a relationship with a spouse or a coworker or a friend and you're just talking, whether you're talking about something important or not important, there's the option to either like hear them or listen to them. So hearing someone is like audibly, I hear mm-hmm. your voice. I hear what you're saying. My ears are working. My ears are working. I'm in the same space, but maybe I'm not really listening. Maybe I'm not really totally paying attention. And so for us with fear, I think that one option is that we can just hear it. We can just notice how it sounds in our head. We can hear the soundtrack of it. But I would like to propose that I actually think we need to totally listen to fear. And the reason why is this. A lot of you might be like, what? Hold on one second. Why do I need to like listen <laughs> yeah, to it? I was actually not expecting you to yeah. <laughs> so the, the thing is, if you only hear it, if you only let it be a soundtrack behind you, and you don't pay attention to what's behind it and where it's coming from, you can't fully speak truth to it. So I think for a lot of us, we're struggling with fear in our calling because we're trying to just let it be background noise. And instead, we need to like pull the car over, turn the engine off, turn around to the back seat and say like, I'm sorry, what did you just say? (laughs) We need to like fully listen to the fears that are cropping up in our minds and in our souls. And really, again, even in our bodies, like the anxiety and and worry that's cropping up in our bodies. And we need to say like, hold on one second. What? Where did that come from? Who told me that? What will happen if this fear does come to fruition? What do I really believe about this? And so I want to encourage you right now to make space to truly listen to your fear, but then do not obey it. Speak truth to it so that you can move past it in Jesus' name. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's good. It's kind of confusing the hear versus listen. Obviously, I mixed it up like three times. (laughs) Um, I don't think it is confusing either because if you think about how you talked about the like to ignore, hearing is maybe like a less intense version of ignoring because like I'm still... You could still be like, oh, yeah, yeah, I heard you. And I'm like, I I didn't process any of that. Yeah. Versus like ignoring is like you maybe even turned off your ears. Yeah. So I kind of, it does make sense because now it's like you're paying attention to the fear, but only to like also tackle it and like dig it deeper. Like you said, it's like deep beyond, what did you say? Like beyond fear, there's like that, the root love, of love, yeah. you know, so you can sit through and you get actually tell me more because then you can dive into that rather than like the hearings. I mean, to me, I see it on like this little spectrum of the ignore and then hearing and then listening. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it makes sense because yeah. visually that's how I saw it. Okay, great. That's how I saw it in my head too. Okay. I'm so glad. <laughs> All right. Let's take a minute for just a quick break. 
Hey gals, did you hear? Go teams are open again for the first and last time this year. You heard that right. We are so excited. And if you are ready to make a move in your calling, trust us when we say that this is for you. Join us for six weeks of community and coaching to clarify what's next and define who you're uniquely called to serve. If you're feeling called to run a small business, begin a career in writing, dedicating your life to ministry, or pouring out through speaking or a podcast, Go Teams are for you. Listen, here's what you get when you sign up. First, six core group coaching sessions with Jess Conley. One Go Team track specific session with Jess Conley. So you can ask Jess any questions you have about the track that you've chosen. One Go Team session with an industry expert. Those are also track specific. And our experts this year are so amazing. You can go to the link in the show notes to find out more about them. You also get added to a private community on Facebook where with women on your same track to process coaching and provide accountability and also form an amazing community. After every core session, you get homework assignments with action steps for accountability and notes for each session. This is the best part. You get all track session specific replays. So you get access to all the content from every single track. So you might choose to join the ministry track, but at the end of Go Teams, you'll get all the content from the small business, writing, ministry, and speaking tracks. So you get so much content to access forever. You get lifetime access, just like I said, so you can come back to all of this content and get re-energized about your calling at any time you want. Let this be the year that you take God at his word and make a move in your mission. Join us in Go Teams at the link in the show notes. We really cannot wait to welcome you. We cannot wait to see the fruit that God grows in your life when you make this move. Okay, so number one, fear means you're not necessarily in the wrong. Number two, I want you to learn and make space to truly listen to your fear so that you can answer it with truth. Here's my third kind of encouragement for you. And we say this a lot in our office. <laughs> Fearless leaders are actually manipulative leaders. And so a lot of you are in a space where you're, you are leading either in your homes or ministry teams or small business teams, or maybe you just have one other person you're leading, or maybe you're even just like leading in a more organic way in community. And I want to tell you that I hate, hate, hate. I do not love the phrase fearless leader. And on our team, we know nobody ever says that. Number one, you guys would be super lying if you called me a fearless leader. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be like, liar. <laughs> well, after this podcast, I think everyone else would know too. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but here's the thing about fearless leaders. Number one, they're faking it. <laughs> they're faking it. And you've probably, if you've listened to the Go and Tell Gals podcast, you've heard us say this about imposter syndrome. We've got a generation of women struggling with imposter syndrome because they believed the lie that they had to pretend to not be human. So being a good leader doesn't mean that you somehow sit in a room and don't feel any fear about what's coming or what's happening or about how you're even going to lead. Because that would basically mean that number one, if you don't feel any fear, that you don't care, <laughs> that you're not concerned about how you're going to handle yourself or about how other people are going to experience you or your ministry or leadership or your program or your product, whatever it is. So I want to say, number one, like, let's don't fake it. But number two, I also think that not making space 
for our fear and even being transparent to some degree. I'm going to give a quick asterisk here in a second, but not making space to be transparent to some degree about our fear will actually probably end up in us becoming a little bit manipulative with people and with their time, with their emotions, with their relationships to us. So I want to go back to my little asterisk here and I want to say, am I saying that you are constantly airing your fear to the people that you're leading? No, I'm not. But I am saying that I am advocating for us to be transparent, not necessarily vulnerable. And the difference between those two things is transparent means like you can see everything there is to see here. Like I'm not hiding anything from you. I'm not opaque. I'm not painting over my personality. Vulnerable, when I'm vulnerable with you, that means that I'm showing you a part of my heart that is woundable. And that if you were to do something with it, or if you were hurt to hurt it, or if you were to say the wrong thing, or if you were to tell someone else that it would somehow wound me. So even though I'm sitting here with Em, my hands on her shoulder, I love Emily. I trust her. She's my genuinely my friend. I love working with her. I want to be transparent with her about my leadership fears, but it would actually probably be pretty frustrating if I went to Emily every day and was like, I'm worried I'm not a good leader. <laughs> I'm worried I'm not leading you well. Or if I constantly kind of handed her these most woundable parts mm-hmm. of my heart because I'm the leader in the office. Mm-hmm. But if I were to like paint over that and pretend that it's not there at all, then she might really have a hard time connecting with me, Mm -hmm. my motives, what's going on with me. And again, I'd probably start to play into some of those other responses to fear like pride or hiding, which would then in turn probably make me a potentially manipulative leader, even though I wasn't trying to be. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. 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 I think it's hard. It might even be hard if you aren't the leader in that space to like recognize that. Yeah. Um, Or even like do something about it. But I think that is a good point of like these women who are leaders, like it's okay that you don't know always what you're doing. It's okay (laughs) that you don't always know what you're doing. And like you are going to fail. And I think though, if like it's those kind of things. Like if you're worried, I think a big fear of mine is like the fear of disappointing others. And so like, even if I borrowed, if I borrow my sister's shirt and then she texts me and it's like, Hey, you forgot to give me my shirt back. Like I genuinely, am like, I can't believe I messed up like this. And it, and that's such a small thing. And, but I actually feel it. And so then you could feel it such large scale on so many different spaces of like not wanting to disappoint. And so it's like, Anyway, this makes me think of like, as a leader, like you, if you, one of your biggest fears is like, I don't want to disappoint and I don't want to fail. Well, if you, like you said, is like, listen to the, what that, what that means behind that is like, yeah. you genuinely care and not failing. Like, I don't really think anyone's desire is to fail anyway. So I think big things like that is like, if you like expose those and you actually see them as real, you can live into being like a really good leader of saying like, well, what if I fail? Like, it's not going to be in a world and I am going to disappoint some people and I can be more transparent with that. And I can like get really good at apologizing as a leader. And that's a way that you get to grow. So I think that's, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I think like as a leader, those are things that you can like hold and those are spaces that you can grow. Mm, So good. So good. All right. Here's your last encouragement about fear. And this is getting into a little bit more of the practical. And hopefully by now you've heard us talk a lot about Go Teams. And I want to tell you, if you don't know about Go Teams, it's our group coaching program for women who feel called to writing, communicating, that would be either podcasting or public speaking, small business or ministry. We 
Only host Go Teams once a year, and the doors are open right now just for a few more days. We would love to have you join us. We actually spend an entire week on fear. So an entire week of our six to eight weeks together, really honing in on fear and paying attention to it and talking about it in our calling. So a lot of our practicals we're going to share in Go Teams. But I want to give you three quick ways that you can fight fear, that you can really, again, totally listen to it, but not obey it. So the first one is I want you to pay attention to your motivation. For me, this is the thing that helps me fight fear, whether it's getting on a stage, whether it's writing something, you know, really vulnerable in a book, whether it's leading my kids in a new way, whether it's even just going to church on a day when I feel a lot of fear about that. The way that I fight it best is motivation. And by that, I mean remembering who it is I'm serving. So this is not some kind of like spiritual blanket statement about God. I do want to remember God and I do want to remember what he's called me to and and also the lavish grace that he's written over my life. But also more than that, I want to be motivated by the people that I'm trying to serve. Mm -hmm. And so my love for my kids helps me fight my fear of flying, right? But like my love for the women who I want to serve helps me get on stage when I'm feeling anxious about that. The love for the woman who's struggling with body image is the thing that keeps me writing Breaking Free from Body Shame. The love for my team and what God's doing in their life and their individual callings is like what helps me fight the fear of figuring out our finances when I'm feeling intimidated by an Excel spreadsheet. So knowing your motivation is what helps you fight fear. Hey gals, we are so excited to share one of our favorite shops with you. When something is new and beautiful, we're naturally more excited to use it. That idea is what fuels Hosanna Revival to make beautiful Bibles. Hosanna Revival exists to excite people about engaging in scripture by creating high quality and intentional tools for their lives. The founder, Katie Giuliano, was a brand new Christian in college and set out to design a Bible that could excite others to open it and actually engage with God's word. Hosanna Revival has over 40 different Bible designs in ESV, CSB, NLT, and KJV. Hopefully you can find a design that speaks to you and reminds you of the detail and beauty of God's word. Please use our discount code GOINTEL for 15% off your Hosanna order. They also have beautiful notebooks, planners, and tons of Bible studies to choose from. Now back to our episode. The second thing that will really help you fight fear is taking time to really grasp a vision of where you're going. Mm. So having an understanding of like, where is this whole thing headed? Why does it matter? That's again, a little bit related to your who you're going to find in your motivation, these people that you're trying to serve, but also like, what's the big picture and where is this all heading? And for me, it helps me like kind of jar myself out of these singular finite moments where I'm kind of looking down at my feet or looking down at my hands or looking down at my house saying like, how in the world is this going to happen? Why are we doing this? I can kind of pick my head up and see from a big picture vision. This is where we're going. This is why this matters. And this is why me moving forward in courage is important. The third way that I really think helps us fight fear is asking for help. This could be as simple as telling people, will you pray for me? I'm experiencing fear, anxiety, or worry. Or again, when we totally pull over the car and we turn around and we look to the back seat and we listen to our fear, I want to use finance as an example because I just said that. That's a thing for me as a leader and a business owner that I used to just be terrified of. But I would try to just 
hear that fear or I would try to ignore it or I would try to act pridefully and think like, oh, I'm never going to figure out finances. And what I had to do was pull the car over, turn around, say like, where did this fear about finances come from? What is it telling me? Is this what God would say to me? What's going to happen if I keep listening to this fear? And now I realize, oh, I feel fear because I feel ill-equipped. So I need to ask for help. I need to ask for wisdom. I need to hold my hands up and say, I need help here. And that is one other incredible way we can fight fear. I want to just say one more time that if you have not joined Go Teams, if you are struggling with that motivation, figuring out who it is you're called to serve and also the big picture vision, guess what? We also spend a whole week on both of those. So not only do we spend a whole week on fear, but we spend a whole week on figuring out who in particular you are called to serve. And we also spend a whole week on vision and figuring out how to hear from God in our calling and actively and practically apply that. So that's how we fight fear. Anything else you'd add, Em? No, I'm just, as I'm listening, I think like you're talking about motivation, vision, and asking for help in terms of like go teams, just you're so good at casting the vision. And I would say like, even before working at this job, like actually like adopting a lot of this job into like the way that I live my life and the culture that we have here has like seeped into now, like the way that I speak. And we've talked about that Mm -hmm. in the office just a couple of weeks ago. Mm -hmm. And, but like, those are big things that I never knew how to do. Yeah. I would say like vision is maybe not even my like strong suit, but I now know who I can grab onto and yeah. help. And there we go. I get to ask you for help. But oh, I, love it. I would say like, yeah, if you're struggling with like, well, what does it mean to have vision? Like this is somewhere space to really dive into because it really, really helps you if you know where you're going. Mm. If you even map out a space of like, where do I want to be in five years? Like then when you're on the path and you're like, am I in the wrong place? Like, obviously you're going to look down and you're going to be praying about it. And it's not like we're like, here's where we want to be in five years and it's going to be super prosperous and all of this space. And you could pray over it, but it helps you when you're walking in that path and walking and pursuing there. Mm. That's what I have to say. I love that. I love that. All right. We're going to close like this. Here is the great news. You cannot act courageously until you feel fear. A lot of us really want to be brave and courageous women, but we don't love the fact that that you can't be brave and you can't be courageous until you experience the fear. Mm. And so I want to remind you that the presence of fear, the presence of worry, the presence of anxiety does not negate your courage or your bravery. It's the beginning of your courage and your bravery. One of my favorite words in the Old Testament in the Hebrew language is the word for very that we find in Joshua 1.7. So in this portion of scripture, we have God continually telling Moses, be strong and courageous, telling him to tell the people that. And then we have Moses continually telling Joshua, his predecessor, be strong and courageous. But in Joshua 1.7, he takes it a step further and he says, be strong and very courageous. And he throws in this word, and and that word right there is the word very. And in Hebrew, it means muchness. (laughs) And so I want to encourage you in the name of Jesus that you might feel very muchness fear. You might feel very muchness anxiety or worry or concern. But in the face of that, actually at the beginning of your courage is that feeling. And I want to commission you that God would not speak this over our lives, over Joshua's life, over Moses, over any of his kids, if we couldn't access it by the power of the Holy Spirit. 
His power is made perfect in your weakness. So at the very place of your weakness, your fear, this is where we are going to experience his power and his presence in an incredible way. We would love to hear from you about this episode. We'd love to hear what you're scared of. We want to hold it with you and just really testify to God's power in your weakness as you step out in courage and bravery in Jesus' name. Find us on Facebook, the Go and Tell Gals community. We have an incredible crew of women there talking about every episode, or you can DM us on Instagram, Go and Tell Gals, and make sure that you sign up for Go Teams because it is almost closed for the year. Go to goandtellgals.com or see the link in our show notes. We're grateful for you. We love you. God is mighty in you. Let's go. Thanks for joining us for today's podcast episode. We would be so blessed if you would take a minute to leave a review wherever you've listened to this podcast. You're also welcome and encouraged to share this on Instagram, Facebook, wherever you use social media. We'd also love to hear from you. DM us on Instagram or send us a message on Facebook. Shoot us an email. We love to connect with you to hear how we can encourage you and further equip you. God is mighty in you. Let's keep going.